Welcome to CIR Realty Business Mastery, where we present on topics that will help you build a successful real estate business. While you're here, be sure to subscribe to not miss any new episodes, as well as leave us a five-star review. That'll help others discover us too. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome back, everyone. So we are going to jump right in to talk about everything evictions. We have a part one and a part two. I just want to remind everyone that it is a broad stroke. This is a very complex topic. So unfortunately, I won't be able to talk about everything that can potentially happen, but hopefully this will give you enough information to get you started. I also want to encourage you, if you have a general question, please type it in the chat box. Addie will be watching the chat and will be relaying any kind of questions that hopefully I can answer throughout. So Addie, please interrupt me if there is a question. Please, if you can, refrain from asking particular questions. My client has this, my client has that. If you think it is a general overall question or if there's something that I can provide clarity on in this topic, then please feel free to ask it in the chat box. All right, Addie, if you want to switch me over to the presentation, let's jump right in. All right, evictions part one. So we have what is an eviction, what rights to tenants and landlords have, and how to issue an eviction notice. So what is an eviction? So an eviction is the act of removing someone from a property for committing a substantial breach of contract. In Alberta, a substantial breach of contract is the referral to the tenant and landlord's covenants. In most cases, an eviction is issued to the tenant for non-payment of rent. So there can be other forms of evictions, for, but for this topic, we are going to stick with just non-payment of rent, as that seems to be the most common, especially with COVID and everything that has happened. I want to just focus on non-payment of rent. So what is, what is a tenant and landlord covenant, and can a tenant withhold rent for any reason? With COVID, COVID is now not a thing. Well, it is a thing. I shouldn't say that. Um, but in terms of tenants not being able to pay their rent because of COVID, that is no longer an excuse or a justifiable reason. So can a tenant withhold rent for any reason? The answer is no. So one of the many questions that I have is, you know, my uh, tenant has not paid my rent because I've ordered them a new dishwasher and it's been back ordered and they don't have a dishwasher. So they think that they are entitled to not being able to pay their rent until they get a new dishwasher. That is not allowed. As a landlord, you are entitled to always have the rent paid on time. No exceptions. So this is a lot. I'm not going to read it all. I want to tell you guys right now that this PDF will be shareable. I will be sending it out at the end in a separate email. So this will all be for you as well. So you don't have to read all of this, but I want to go through the main things. So what is a covenant? So a covenant is the rules that both the landlord and the tenant have to abide by, which is set in place through the Residential Tenancies Act. So number one on the tenant covenant side is pay the rent on time. That is something every tenant must do. And then skipping down about partway through, they have to keep the premises reasonably clean, do not or permit damage to be done to the residential premises, move out when the residential tenancy agreement ends or is terminated, and obtain written permission from the landlord to sublet the residential premises. 
Now, on the landlord side, it has a lot to do with the documents and the security deposits. So, obviously, make the premises available for the tenant on the agreed move-in date. So, if you say you can have it for April 1st, you, you know, can't take that back. Um, you also have to make sure that the residential premises meets the minimum housing standards. So you can't have it infested or have cockroaches running everywhere. So it needs to be uh, met by the minimum uh, requirements under the Alberta Public Health Act, housing regulations, and the health standards. Now, if the tenant, now if the landlord wants to, uh, excuse me, give the tenant written notice to the landlord within seven days of the tenant moving in or post a notice in visible place for the building or common area. They need to also complete the move-in and move-out inspection and provide copies to the tenant as soon as they are completed. That is something that a lot of landlords miss. They either don't do an inspection at all, or they do an inspection and they don't give the tenant a copy, or they wait and give the tenant a copy later. They have to do a move-in and move-out inspection and give the tenant a copy right then and there. They cannot walk away without the tenant having a copy. I would highly, highly recommend that you remind your clients that have tenants to make sure that they are doing a move-in inspection and documenting all prior damage, marks, scuffs, nail holes. If there's something that needs to be fixed, make a note of it because if something does go to court, this documentation is very, very helpful. So this is all that the tenant has to do the landlord has a lot more. <laughs> so they need to inspect the residential premises within one week before or after the tenant moves in or out. So again, if the property uh, is moving in on April 1st, uh, they have to do the move-in inspection on April 1st if they can, or they can do it a week before or after depending on you know what works for both parties. Now they have to hold the security deposit in an interest-bearing trust account within two days of receiving the deposit. Now, it has been 0% interest on all trust accounts since 2009, but they need to be holding it in a trust account, all of the security deposits, because they shouldn't be using it, they shouldn't be touching it. Do you have a question? Okay, what's the question? <laughs> okay, the question is from Patrick, and the question is, if the tenant does more damage to the uh, property than what the security deposit holds, what can you do about it? Am I getting that right? Okay, okay. So this is essentially what you would be doing. Uh, the security deposit at the end of the tenancy, when the tenant moves out of the property, you would be using their statement of account and you would basically say, okay, let's just go off a thousand dollars, let's say. So the security deposit is a thousand dollars and you would go through all of the deductions. Let's say you needed to do some painting. You, um, needed to replace a washer and dryer. Um, I mean, that right there would take up your $1,000. So let's say you had to do those two things and the deposit was $1,000 and that total cost came to $1,200. So you've, you're in the hole $200. There are two options. So the first option is, well, you, this is not an option. You need to send the, the statement of account with those invoices saying I've spent um, $800 on a new dishwasher uh, or a washer dryer and... Um, uh, $400 on painting. So I am in the whole $200. There's a formal statement of account that you need to use. It, it's just a standard, um, I received this and you are receiving this back. So you would actually show a negative of $200. Then you can say, you need to pay me this money. 
Now there are two options. The tenant can either say, okay, that's fair. I did actually do those damages and I will pay you the $200. Or they can say, jump off a cliff. I'm not paying you that $200. I don't believe you. At that point, you can either go through this process with the evictions and go through the RTDRS, which we'll get to in part two, or you can cut your losses and say it's 200 bucks. I just want to get it re-rented. I've already wasted a month of vacancy getting it painted and getting this new washer dryer put in. So those are your two options. Um, like I said, in part two, we're going to talk about the RTDRS and that's when you file against the tenant for damages. Um, but I hope that answers, answers that question. So hopefully the tenant never does enough damage to supersede the security deposit. But if they do, there are routes that you can, that you can take. Okay. Let's get back to the PowerPoint. So landlord covenants, again, uh, interest-bearing trust accounts since 2009 has always been zero. And if a tenant or landlord does not live up to the responsibilities of the residential tenancy agreement or under the Residential Tenancies Act, the RTA, they have committed a substantial breach and the opposing party has grounds to terminate the tenancy. Now, this is 100% a two-way street. If the landlord does something unlawful and breaks one of these covenants, the tenant can apply to the RTDRS to terminate their tenancy. Um, uh, one, a perfect example is if they didn't meet the minimum housing standards and the house was infested with mice and the, the owner didn't do anything about it, um, the tenant can actually apply to have, have their terminate, their tenancy terminated. So the first steps in the eviction process. So again, let's talk about the main one, which is going to be non-payment of rent. So the tenant has committed a substantial breach of contract. They did not pay their rent. If the tenant does not pay the end, the rent, the RTA allows landlords to apply to court for the RTDRS for an order terminating the tenancy and order of possession or landlords can give a 14-day clear notice to terminate the tenancy for a substantial breach. If the tenant pays the rent before the 14 days is up, the notice to terminate is not binding and no longer effective. The tenant cannot object to 14 days notice for non-payment of rent. That is the only thing that a tenant cannot object to is non-payment of rent. If you want to kick a tenant out because they party too much, that is not necessarily a substantial breach of contract. You can try and evict them and they can, they can object to it and then it can go to court. So the only thing they cannot object to is non-payment of rent. So how do you issue an eviction notice? So the RTA requires orders and documents to be served personally by registered mail or certified mail or in person. Number one is in person. If you can go over and knock on that person's door and hand them their notice, that is number one. If the landlord is unable to serve the tenant notice, then they can serve it to any adult that lives on the property. If it, if you, if they open the door and it was, you know, grandma or something, they can post it there. Or as a last, absolute last resort, they can send it through electronic means. Now, CIR property management, we do both. We send them in person 
and uh, post a notice on the door if you don't answer and take a photo to show that there is proof that it is in a clear spot that it's not missed. And we also send it electronically. So sliding a notice under the door of the premises does not meet the RTA requirement. So if you are in a condo building and you just slide it under their door, that does not count because it can be missed. It could be slide on, slid under a rug because you need to prove that the tenant did receive notice if this goes to court because the tenant can say, well, I never received the notice. I didn't know I was being evicted. So it needs to be either personally given to them or it needs to be put in a clear place where they can clearly see it. So how do you count clear days notice? This is my favorite part of the thing anyways. All right. Oh, I missed, I'm missing my logos. Okay. Well, this doesn't matter. This is the day of the, this is a month, any given month. Rent is unpaid on the first. Let's say you issue the notice on the eighth. You have to count 14 days, not including the notice and then your eviction day. So this is 14 clear days notice. So if you actually count it on the calendar, it's actually 16 clear days. So you've issued an eviction. Now what? If the notice is to vacate due to unpaid rent only, the tenant cannot dispute this notice. And if the notice is for anything other than unpaid rent, the tenant can file an objection of notice, like I said earlier. All right, guys, that is everything for evictions part one. When we come back, we are going to talk about the RTDRS, what you can expect and can you hire someone else? We'll be right back. Welcome back, guys. I hope you uh, were able to keep up with me on uh, the evictions part one. Let's uh, dive in and talk about once you've issued an eviction notice, what happens next. All right, let's switch over to the PowerPoint view. Perfect. So what is the RTDRS, how to file with it? What can I expect? And can I hire someone to do this for me? The short answer is absolutely you can. So what is the RTDRS? So the RTDRS is the Residential Tenancies Dispute Resolution Services. And it was created by the Alberta government to simplify the tenant-landlord disputes. So both landlords and tenants can apply for the RTDRS. We have gone over that already. It has court officers that rule a judgment on the case. It's similar. It is similar to a court hearing without involving lawyers. There typically isn't a time where you have a lawyer present on behalf of a landlord or tenant. But this is why people will commonly say, well, I'm going to sue you. And this is what they're referring to because it is a court hearing and it is, uh, it does have, you know, officers, they're not judges, um, but they definitely rule on a case. So when people say, I'm going to sue you, it's typically through the RTDRS. So how do you file with the RTDRS? You need to complete the appropriate application forms. These are all online. You need to go to the rtdrs.alberta.ca. You need to submit the application and all of the evidence. You can also do this on the website. There is a $75 filing fee that you have to pay. And then the RTDRS will provide you with a notice of hearing that gives you the date, time, and location. So what I was mentioning earlier about having that move in and move out document, or at least the move in, that would be part of your evidence. So if we're talking about damages, you need to be thinking about what kind of damages were pre-existing, and you need to prove that all of these new damages that have happened are so much farther than what was um, 
on the move-in. And if you don't have a move-in document, there is no proof that the property was not already in the state that you're receiving it back into. So that is the, uh, that is the main reason for evidence. Now, if you're dealing with non-payment of rent, a big thing would be the lease to show what they owe, when they owe it, if they have any late fees, and also the ledger. So the tenant ledger should clearly state when the rent is paid to you, what the outstanding balance is, how many rent payments have they missed. Uh, a lot of landlords will typically not pursue a tenant after the first rent payment, and uh, they they like to think of it as more of an emotional um, plea and they give the tenant, you know, the first month, oh, my, my daughter, my sister, my husband, uh, whichever, we'll, we'll pay it by the end of the month. We promise we'll pay it by the end of the month. And most people will say, okay, sure, that's fine. Uh, but what typically ends up happening is they don't pay and then they be, they're behind. And then the next month comes along on the first of the month when they're supposed to pay. And now they're two months behind. So you need to show that in the ledger. So you need to make sure that you have a ledger to show when the rent is paid. Now, once you have filed with the RTDRS, you need to serve all of the evidence and the notice of hearing at least three clear days. So again, clear days, the the day you send the notice does not count and the day of the hearing does not count. You can send this, you know, seven days ahead of time, 14 days ahead of time. It, uh, it doesn't really make a difference, but at minimum, you need to give them at least three clear days notice. So five calendar days. So, Again, you can go onto the RTDRS website to uh, look at the documents to see service tips for details. So the next steps. So hearings right now are conducted over the phone during COVID-19. It's not ideal because the judge can't see the tenant in person. What the nice thing about the tenant being right in front of the judge is they could see them. Are they fidgeting? Are they well-prepared? Um you know, that can play a big role in the judgment. But over the phone, you can't see anyone. So you have to be able to be on the phone. It's They give you a two-hour window, and they will call you anytime within those two hours. So the applicant and the respondent and any witnesses, now witnesses is, is more due to, you know, damage or if something actually happened to the property, but in non-payment of rent, there's typically no witnesses, um, need to be there on the phone for the hearing date and time and location that's on the written notice, then they do an affidavit uh, of service and then the hearing is conducted. So typically in most cases, they will speak to the uh, landlord first and then the tenant can uh, do a rebuttal. And then typically the officer will ask some questions here and there and then they will have an order done. So they will say, okay, you need to be out or there's a conditional order. And the uh, tenancy dispute officer will give verbal reasons as to why they have uh, chosen this decision. It is always through the Residential Tenancies Act. They will say, you know, it's, you know, on section 14 of the act, it states, or part of the tenant covenants is to pay the rent on time. The tenant has not done that. So they will either say the eviction is final and the tenant can move out uh, or must move out by this date. They will actually have a specific date. Then... They will say the after the order tip sheet, what to do next. There's a whole um, tip sheet, but then there is a uh, affidavit and everything that needs to be done. So 
after the order. Again, this is a lot. This will all be posted up for you. So you need to file your RTDRS order at the Court of Queen's Bench. So if you win, whoever wins needs to file it with the Court of Queen's Bench. Uh, the uh, RTDRS is actually doing this for you right now, which is really nice. But in most cases, um, before COVID, and, and I'm, I'm certain probably after COVID, you will have to do this yourself. But right now, due to COVID, they are filing for you. So they will do two things. There will be an order for monetary judgment or an order of possession. So if the uh, tenant fails to pay the uh, monetary judgment fee, which would be the unpaid rent, uh, they would go to next steps, which is debt, collect debt collection. Then there is the writ of enforcement. That is very, very important. You need to apply for the writ of enforcement at the Court of Queen's Bench. So you need to do that. That is 100% what you need to do. And you can follow all of this online as well. Now on the other side, they can do an order of possession. Uh, this is kind of twofold with rent possession. And there's the unconditional order or a conditional order. So an unconditional order is unpayment of rent, you need to vacate the property. And a conditional order is, um, you know, let's say you're not uh, trying to evict the tenant for non-payment of rent. Let's say, again, they're having too many parties and it's too loud. The court can actually issue a conditional order that says the tenant needs to keep the noise level down. And if they do, they can stay on the rental property. If they do not, then they can be evicted. So that is a conditional order. So you need to serve any order to the tenant, conditional or unconditional, and uh, you need to go through those next steps as well. So this is probably super overwhelming. Um, not everyone is an expert in evictions. Uh, so whether you're a new landlord helping a client or just you just don't have the time uh, to deal with it, there are companies that you can hire that can do everything for you. So they can file the, they can actually do everything from issuing the 14-day eviction notice. They can file with the RTDRS. They can do, um, they can be there for the RTDRS for you on your behalf because you have hired them. So there's lots of companies out there. Two that I have used in the past that I really, really like is Consolidated and Service, uh, or Servit, sorry. They're, uh, bailiff. They're both bailiff, uh, companies and, um, at least on the Servit side, uh, one of the main gentlemen there has been doing this for over, uh, 20 years. So he has a lot a lot of interesting um, uh, stories to tell you if you have the time. But I would definitely recommend that if your clients are overwhelmed or they you know, don't know really what they're doing or what to do, there's, there's a lot of information that you can find online. Uh, Service Alberta and the RTDRS website is fantastic. But if they just would rather hire someone and know that it's being done right and know that you know all their T's are crossed and their I's are dotted, then they can certainly hire someone. Again, these two companies are fantastic. So here's some helpful links for you. So I have the RTA handbook. That's the Residential Tenancies Act handbook. Then we have the RTDRS homepage, laws for landlords and tenants. I have a notice template for evictions. It's just a general template. Um, this one is a little bit finicky. You can't just open it up like a PDF like you're seeing here. You actually, if you click it, there'll it will show that there's an error. But as soon as you download it and then open it using Adobe or another PDF software, then that is how you'll be able to see it. And then there is your interest rate for security deposits. Um, that is everything I have. I'm 
you know, I really hope that was helpful for you guys and you were able to follow along. I know it was pretty broad and there wasn't uh, anything super, super detailed about it because it is a super complex uh, topic and there's, you know, a lot that goes into it and every story is a little bit different. So if you guys have any questions or anything, feel free to shoot me an email. Um, we are not an eviction, you know, services company. So that's why I have consolidated and serve it on there. So clients can't hire us to evict tenants, but we can certainly help them re-rent them once the tenant has been out. Um, so I hope this was really informative for you. Like I said, I'll be sending out an email with this document here for you guys to review and uh, keep in your back pockets. And these links will be on there for you as well. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you have a fantastic week. Happy Monday, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. That's all we have for you today. And thank you so much for giving us your time and tuning in. Don't forget to like CIR Realty Business Mastery on Facebook and to follow us on Instagram. Take care, everyone.